Chapter Five of Pollyanna Grows Up. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Anderson. Pollyanna Grows Up by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Five. Pollyanna Takes a Walk. It was on the second Saturday afternoon that Pollyanna took her memorable walk. Heretofore, Pollyanna had not walked out alone, except to go to and from school. That she would ever attempt to explore Boston streets by herself never occurred to Mrs. Carew. Hence, she naturally had never forbidden it. In Beldingsville, however, Pollyanna had found, especially at the first. Her chief diversion in strolling about the rambling old village streets, in search of new friends and new adventures. On this particular Saturday afternoon, Mrs. Carew had said, as she often did say, "There, there, child, run away, please do, go where you like and do what you like. Only don't, please, ask me any more questions today." Until now, left to herself, Pollyanna had always found plenty to interest her within the four walls of the house. For if inanimate things failed, there were yet Mary, Jenny, Bridget, and Perkins. Today, however, Mary had a headache. Jenny was trimming a new hat. Bridget was making apple pies, and Perkins was nowhere to be found. Moreover, it was a particularly beautiful September day. And nothing within the house was so alluring as the bright sunlight and balmy air outside. So outside, Pollyanna went and dropped herself down on the steps. For some time, she watched in silence the well-dressed men and women and children who walked briskly by the house, or else sauntered more leisurely through the parkway that extended up and down the middle of the avenue. Then she got to her feet, skipped down the steps. And stood looking first to the right, then to the left. Pollyanna had decided that she too would take a walk. It was a beautiful day for a walk, and not once yet had she taken one at all—not a real walk. Just going to and from school did not count, so she would take one today. Mrs. Carew would not mind. Had she not told her to do just what she pleased, so long as she asked no more questions? And there was the whole long afternoon before her. Only think what a lot one might see in a whole long afternoon. And it really was such a beautiful day. She would go this way, and with a little whirl and skip of pure joy, Pollyanna turned and walked blithely down the avenue. Into the eyes of those she met, Pollyanna smiled joyously. She was disappointed, but not surprised, that she received no answering smile in return. She was used to that now in Boston. She still smiled, however, hopefully. There might be someone, sometime, who would smile back. Mrs. Carew's home was very near the beginning of Commonwealth Avenue. So it was not long before Pollyanna found herself at the edge of a street crossing her way at right angles. Across the street, in all its autumn glory, lay what to Pollyanna was the most beautiful yard she had ever seen, 
the Boston Public Garden. For a moment Pollyanna hesitated, her eyes longingly fixed on the wealth of beauty before her. That it was the private grounds of some rich man or woman she did not for a moment doubt. Once, with Dr. Ames at the sanatorium, she had been taken to call on a lady who lived in a beautiful house surrounded by just such walks and trees and flower beds as these. Pollyanna wanted now very much to cross the street and walk in those grounds, but she doubted if she had the right. To be sure, others were there moving about she could see, but they might be invited guests, of course. After she had seen two women, one man and a little girl, unhesitatingly enter the gate and walk briskly down the path, however, Pollyanna concluded that she, too, might go. Watching her chance, she skipped nimbly across the street and entered the garden. It was even more beautiful close at hand than it had been at a distance. Birds twittered over her head, and a squirrel leaped across the path ahead of her. On benches here and there sat men, women, and children. Through the trees flashed the sparkle of the sun on water, and from somewhere came the shouts of children and the sound of music. Once again Pollyanna hesitated. Then, a little timidly, she accosted a handsomely dressed young woman coming toward her. "'Please, is this a party?' she asked. The young woman stared. "'A party?' she repeated dazedly. "'Yes, um, I mean, is it all right for me to be here?' "'For you to be here? Why, of course, it's for—for for everybody!' exclaimed the young woman. "'Oh, that's all right, then. I'm glad I came,' beamed Pollyanna. The young woman said nothing, but she turned back and looked at Pollyanna still dazedly as she hurried away. Pollyanna, not at all surprised that the owner of this beautiful place should be so generous as to give a party to everybody, continued on her way. At the turn of the path she came upon a small girl in a doll carriage. She stopped with a glad little cry, but she had not said a dozen words before from somewhere came a young woman with hurrying steps and a disapproving voice. A young woman who held out her hand to the small girl and said sharply, "'Here, Gladys. Gladys, come away with me. Hasn't Mama told you not to talk to strange children?' "'But I'm not strange children,' explained Pollyanna in eager defense. "'I live right here in Boston, now, and—' but the young woman and the little girl dragging the doll carriage were already far down the path, and with a half-stifled sigh Pollyanna fell back. For a moment she stood silent, plainly disappointed. Then resolutely she lifted her chin and went forward. "'Well, anyhow, I can be glad for that,' she nodded to herself. "'For now maybe I'll find somebody even nicer. Susie Smith, perhaps.' or even Mrs. Carew's Jamie. Anyhow, I can imagine I'm going to find them, and if I don't find them, I can find somebody, she finished, her wistful eyes on the self-absorbed people all about her. Undeniably, Pollyanna was lonesome. Brought up by her father and the Ladies' Aid Society in a small western town, she had counted every house in the village her home, 
and every man, woman, and child her friend. Coming to her aunt in Vermont at eleven years of age, she had promptly assumed that conditions would differ only in that the homes and the friends would be new, and therefore even more delightful, possibly, for they would be different, and Pollyanna did so love different things and people. Her first, and always her supreme delight in Beldingsville, therefore, had been her long rambles about the town, and the charming visits with the new friends she had made. Quite naturally, in consequence, Boston, as she first saw it, seemed to Pollyanna even more delightfully promising in its possibilities. Thus far, however, Pollyanna had to admit that in one respect, at least, it had been disappointing. She had been here nearly two weeks, and she did not yet know who lived across the street or even next door. More inexplicable still, Mrs. Carew herself did not know many of them, and not any of them well. She seemed indeed utterly indifferent to her neighbors, which was most amazing from Pollyanna's point of view. But nothing she could say appeared to change Mrs. Carew's attitude in the matter at all. They do not interest me, Pollyanna, was all she would say. And with this, Pollyanna, whom they did interest very much, was forced to be content. Today, on her walk, however, Pollyanna had started out with high hopes, yet thus far she seemed destined to be disappointed. Here, all about her, were people who were doubtless most delightful, if only she knew them. But she did not know them. Worse yet, there seemed to be no prospect that she would know them, for they did not, apparently, wish to know her. Pollyanna was still smarting under the nurse's sharp warning concerning strange children. Well, I'll reckon I'll just have to show em that I'm not strange children, she said at last to herself, moving confidently forward again. Pursuant of this idea, Pollyanna smiled sweetly into the eyes of the next person she met and said blithely, It's a nice day, isn't it? Er, what? Oh, uh, "'Yes, it is,' murmured the lady, addressed, as she hastened on a little faster. Twice again Pollyanna tried the same experiment, but with like disappointing results. Soon she came upon the little pond that she had seen sparkling in the sunlight through the trees. It was a beautiful pond, and on it were several pretty little boats full of laughing children.' As she watched them, Pollyanna felt more and more dissatisfied to remain by herself. It was then that, spying a man sitting alone not far away, she advanced slowly toward him and sat down on the other end of the bench. Once Pollyanna would have danced unhesitatingly to the man's side and suggested acquaintanceship with a cheery confidence that had no doubt of a welcome. But recent rebuffs had filled her with an unaccustomed diffidence. Covertly she looked at the man now. He was not very good to look at. His garments, though new, were dusty, and plainly showed lack of care. They were of the cut and style, though Pollyanna, of course, did not know this, that the state gives its prisoners as a freedom suit. His face was pasty white and was adorned with a week's beard. His hat was pulled far down over his eyes. With his hands in his pockets, he sat idly staring at the ground. 
For a long minute Pollyanna said nothing, then hopefully she began, It is a nice day, isn't it? The man turned his head with a start. Er, oh, er, what did you say? he questioned, with a curiously frightened look around to make sure the remark was addressed to him. I said, "'Twas a nice day,' explained Pollyanna, in hurried earnestness. "'But I don't care about that especially. "'That is, of course, I'm glad it's a nice day. "'But I said it just as a beginning to things, "'and I'd just as soon talk about something else, anything else. "'It's only that I wanted you to talk about something, you see.' "'The man gave a low laugh. "'Even to Pollyanna the laugh sounded a little queer.' though she did not know, as did the man, that a laugh to his lips had been a stranger for many months. 